0: Welcome to the GBC Big Three Podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and joining us for the Big Three this week is none other than the delightful Roxanne Lawler. Roxy, how are you going? Oh, pretty good. Thanks, Matt. It's great to have you. Oh, thanks.
1: Um, what are your plans for this weekend? Tell Ooh, us what goes on Okay, well, Roxanne for the Lawler. first time in my life, I have three children going to youth camp. Oh, free plug. Thank, thank you, youth <laughs> leaders. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, you I get know. a kid-free weekend. I well, I'm still going to be at church, so, you know, and probably serving in kids' ministry, which is <laughs> – So you'll – Yeah, you've, other people's kids. <laughs> you've taken time away from <laughs> your kids to serve, to serve others. Serve, yeah, yeah. a beautiful
0: I, imagery in yeah, that. Yeah,
1: Jesus asks us to be servants, so I'm just going <laughs> –
0: Nah, nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> but you can have a quiet Sunday. Yeah, yeah, so I that be can. delightful. Yeah, And then they'll really come nice. home completely exhausted and they'll go straight to sleep.
1: And I'll do a lot of washing. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah, I guess.
0: Because, yeah. <laughs> like, you sleep – like chasing sleep for your children is that still a thing at their age? It's uh, like I'm constantly chasing yeah. sleep for my children. Yeah,
1: but. I think it's just um getting them to bed like at a decent hour, I think. Now yeah, that they're right sort on. of almost in that, you know, teenage years. I do what I want. Yeah, they they don't want to go to bed at 7:30 anymore. They want to be up like at 10:30 at night and I'm like, "Well, you just Go somewhere else. Like just, <laughs> is there an off switch? <laughs> I don't want you here in this. Space yeah, this right is now. this is adult time now. <laughs>
0: oh Okay, so you know, and you'll get that on Saturday. Be this beautiful. <laughs> Twenty-four
1: hours. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you to the youth leaders yeah. um, for you. looking after Roxanne's children yes. this weekend. <laughs> Well, in a moment, we're going to be joined by Mark Rader, who preached during both our online and on-site services this past Sunday. And Roxy and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. Now, for those of you who missed it, Mark continued in our series, Seven Letters, Seven Lessons, drawing discipleship teachings out of the book of Revelations. And you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermon podcast. But for now, Rox, I'm really interested on your thoughts coming out of Mark's message. What Mm. kind of stood out for you?
1: Mm -mm. Loving this series completely. I think that challenge as to where my loyalties lie, Mm. like, you know, that whole sort of, um, you know, going down the... the Fitting into your culture and then following Jesus instead. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's been really hitting home. Um, In fact, on the way here today, I saw a ute that kind of encapsulated the the message that we've been hearing. A little sneaky Jesus. uh, Yeah, a little sneaky Jesus moment. Um, (laughs) I'm a very visual thinker. I think in pictures um, more than anything. And so I saw this cool ute and it had this giant crucifix on its back window. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I'd really put a a giant you know, picture of Jesus on the cross suffering (laughs) on the back window. <laughs> of my car, but okay, you do you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ute man, and um, I'm like, you know, maybe he's a Christian, maybe wants people know Jesus died for his, you know, their sins. Yeah. And then I looked, and the, the Ute had, and I'm sorry if this is somebody's business, um, but it had like Empire Building mm. and um, Empire Construction, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and then I thought, hang on a minute, isn't that what we've been hearing about through Mark's messages and through Revelation? Is yeah. is is what is it that? Um, that we're, we're doing here. And and so for me, that, that ute became a bit of a metaphor. Am I in my life, um, mm. am I advertising Jesus and yep. saying, you know, Jesus died for your sins, but am I literally – Building and constructing the things of the empire being the things Mm. of the world, you know, sort of empire in the world rather than kingdom and Jesus. And so is that a kind of mixed metaphor that that I'm sending out, you know, am I telling people, no, you got to follow Jesus because he he died for your sins and, and he's the way to God, but I'm actually building, you know. Empire, and that's really where my true loyalties lie. So it was a little, little picture, kind just of a, just yeah, a little, a little reinforcement. Oh, well, God, was sort of speaking to me through that. So yeah, it was right kind of cool. on. Yeah, bit oh. of a word. Yeah, bit of a word for the thank week. you, I like Ute it. man, Ute man <laughs> in front of me. <laughs> Whoever you are, yeah,
0: you are challenging us that's to consider right. yeah. who we serve. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right on.
0: I've got to admit, I really loved. Um, probably just because I'm a needy individual and and the idea of even a side hug um, is really appealing to me. But mm-hmm. that idea of the three-legged race and so that you get know. to put your arm around Uh-oh. Jesus and he puts your arm around you, mm-hmm. like that just warmed the cockles of my heart. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, this beautiful kind of, uh, you know, we're constantly talking about being in relationship with Jesus and what it is to walk in the ways of Jesus and walk with Jesus. But actually like I really resonated with mm-hmm. that imagery because there is just such a partnership in that and a real um, – you can lean on and be supported by, and he really is right there. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of. I loved that yeah, that awesome. imagery. It, was cool, it just wasn't kind it? of it spoke my language, spoke my love language <laughs> yeah. of just being a needy, requiring physical touch just kind of hold individual. Me hold me, Jesus. me till the hold end of the me, line. Till we cross the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> get me to the end. <laughs>
1: love yeah,
0: it. yeah, that no, was really good. Yeah, the more I say it, I'm just like, yeah, no, uh, this that's, encapsulates that's, my that's personality. It. Quick, someone get the ties, <laughs> tie my leg
1: to the leg of the Lord. <laughs> uh, it's a Beautiful uh.
0: thing. Well, I think it's time for us to start looking at the three big questions submitted through Slido this week. So Rox, what are our big three?
1: Oh, we got some good ones, Matt. We mm. got first one is what are the economic implications for Christians today in following Jesus? Uh, yeah. We've got what does it look like to genuinely share the yoke of Jesus? Not simply in word, but more importantly, indeed. Mm. This one's your three-legged race, one, mate. <laughs> and then we've got the third one: is what is Jesus actually promising to those who are victorious at the end of the the letter? Yeah, boom! Because we actually didn't
0: mm. um, we didn't cover that bit. No, we didn't no. cover that bit. He just left us on a total us. cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, <I know>.
1: <laughs> cliffhanger. <laughs> no idea.
0: Well, here we are, um, <laughs> ready to get the final the final <laughs> word. Well, um looking forward to that. I think there's only one thing missing and that is the man himself, Reverend Mark Rader or what, what oh, is it? No, Reverend Dr. Mark Doctor. Rader. I apologize. i uh, finally gotten it right. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so sorry. I didn't need to like belittle yeah, your right. PhD. <laughs> it's, well,
2: it's actually only a doctorate of ministry. So, okay. you, know, you know, belittle away. <laughs> more than I've got, mate. Like,
0: Um, How you going? You've got – um. Y- you you ghost, speaking of ghosting, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you ghost us on a Wednesday now yeah. because morning's picked up again. Yeah. College is back. Um,
2: I'm there on Wednesdays. I'm normally, I'm normally, I think for the last five or six years, it's just been Tuesdays, but they needed me to teach something on a Wednesday. So they've kind of conveniently put both my subjects on that day. So. I love it how
0: you're just like, they want me to teach something. I don't know what I'm teaching, but I'll just <laughs> but I'll show just up show and I'll up just teach it. I'll just, just educate yeah. the future generation <laughs> of leaders go. in that church. Well, it's uh, <laughs> just
2: casually. It's the, the jack of all trades, master <laughs> of none. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm teaching preaching too with Mike Frost. Uh, so we've shared that class for the last three or four years, which is a lot of fun. And then I'm doing church history. Mm-hmm. So the first lot of that. Cool. So I love yeah. me a little church history. Yeah. And yeah. I'm
0: actually doing preaching too, but you are not my lecturer. no
2: no lucky, lucky. <laughs> who's lucky who's lucky in this situation
0: are you the lucky one is that what you're trying to say here i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna read into that for the rest of the week i think i'll give
2: you a side hug later
0: <laughs> okay. that's all i need someone hold me um but before we do that let's get into the big three all right
1: question was, what are the economic implications for Christians today in following Jesus?
2: Yeah, I think, and I kind of alluded to this in the message when I talked briefly about discipleship and finances, because Mm. I think that it it felt a little bit, um, it felt like a bit of a stretch to, to talk about financial stewardship for us. When I think it's so different than it was for the, the Church of Thyatira. Like, I think very much it was a matter of putting food on the table rather than for us, like, whatever economic implications there are, um, they tend not to be that, at least in the West. Mm. But I think the question of, of um, economic implications for faith, I think there are some. You know, I think that, you know, as I talked about in the message, I think generosity is one of those issues. What do we mm. do with our excess? And I think our, our world teaches us in ways subtle and not so subtle that we need things all the time. And I think we can just get sucked along with that. Um, And yet I think we're called to use our finances in a way that reflects the kingdom principles and kingdom values and all those sorts of things. You think about the, I'm not sure what the love language is, but, you know, the whole, um, you know, like this, what is it, like the 1950s dad, you know, um, I show you I love you because I go out and get a job and I work hard and I, I make sure there's food on the table. Yeah, You kind of think, well, so how can we use our finances to kind of further like the project of Jesus, you know, that kind of show our love to him by wanting his projects to succeed? How can we kind of help that kind mm. of financially? I, I think there are other questions, I think, in terms of a financial implication, like things like um, – you know like there's a greater awareness about like supply chains and you know when i buy a shirt that's on sale for 9.99 mm-hmm. somebody somewhere is paying for that yeah right um it's probably not me cuz i just got a great deal but like just being aware of like the um the implications of our purchasing habits i think that becomes an economic implication for us i think mm-hmm. there's value in us paying more for things that we know are ethical. yeah, You know, that seems to me to be a place where we can be deliberate and intentional about, um, about our finances. And I think it's any time that we can be more deliberate and thoughtful about our finances, I think that's where discipleship and economics hit together. Mm. Um, because as I said in the message, I think that, you know, finances, wealth, money has a subtle bias against following God. Because it promotes independence, it promotes security, it promotes control that sits outside of really our relationship with God. And if we're never thinking about it, it will just it will gradually pull us along with its current, mm. even though it's not a particularly strong current necessarily. And so I think we just need to be thinking. So in our economics, you know, thinking about how we purchase things and thinking about our generosity and those sorts of places. I think that's probably the the most significant place for us you know i think as christians we there's a i think there's an expectation that we we give to those in need to mm-hmm. to support the work of ministry uh here and abroad i think there's lots of um rationale for us to be doing that but again that feels like a slightly different question than the and ec- economic implications so mm. to speak so I, like you know where else do you guys
0: well i'm wondering you know, like just as i kind of read that question cuz a lot of I think a lot of that language of economic implications came from the cultural context of the time and how um, for Christians they were really um, isolating themselves from the empire and how that really just impacted um, just a myriad their life in a myriad of ways but I wonder like can we use that terminology in a more um, metaphorical way like what because like Economic implications um, implies to me like a cost is mm. paid. So, yeah. like, what are the what are the things that cost us mm. within, you know, the world today um, mm. as as followers of Jesus? What does it? What are the things we're going to have to pay for? Mm. Maybe not necessarily financially, but metaphorically, in our in our journey with Jesus.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, I think. I mean, again, to kind of kind of take it slightly differently. I think I I think there are things. If we thought about you know, if if all, if what we believe is true, right? Because we would say Mm. right that all we've received is from God, and we are stewards of what we have received. Mm. Well, if that's actually true, and He does the accounts, and it's all His, have we stewarded it for His purposes? You know, and so Mm. I think some of the cost is probably in us saying, you know, what I'm going to abstain from something that I could purchase or an event that I could attend or a thing that I whatever it might be yeah in order that I would have more financial ability to support the work of God wherever it might be
0: mm. like that would
2: be a cost yeah now no one's enforcing that upon us I think for the for the first century believers in the book of Revelation they were kind of being forced to ask questions yeah whereas I think part of our danger is no one's like there are no economic costs to following Jesus, mm. in, you know, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's possible to lose work because of your Christian principles, but mm. I think that would be more the exception than the rule. Yeah. Um. And, and I think that the question of you know paying a little bit more for ethical goods. I mean, okay, we pay a little bit more, but it's not. It's not breaking the bank. Yeah. But I think for us, uh, again, at the highest level, one of the I think one of the fascinating ways in which Um, the the temptation of empire is described in Revelation is through the imagery of sexual immorality Mm. and drunkenness alongside of it. And you think about, so there's a lot of talk about the intoxication of... The, the the prostitute on the beast, all that kind of stuff, mm. and I think that there's something for us to recognize that wealth and power and influence has an intoxicating effect, mm. right? We see it happen again and again and again in our society, right, mm. where people, for the sake of money, make really bad decisions mm. about their families, about their about ethics, about other people, and so there isn't a. And you think about the the, the imagery of intoxication. And what happens when you're intoxicated, right? Well, you you know, you know lose your ability to make good decisions, um, right? Like you, you, you're you led by your emotions mm. more than, right? All those sorts of you things. You normally
0: think you're a better singer than you actually <laughs> are. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah, speaking for a friend.
2: <laughs> you know, but I think that all of those sorts of things, inhibitions drop, all mm. of that kind of stuff, right? You're more willing to sing, and, you know, <laughs> even if you do know that you're not a great singer, you're more willing to have a crack at it. And you think about that in terms of, you know, the stories we hear. And I think if we're honest, the things, the ways in which we respond as well, mm. money has an intoxicating effect. Mm. Wealth and influence has an intoxicating effect. And if we're not careful, we can get drunk on it. Mm. And then we're making a whole series of really bad decisions. Mm. And, you know, I think it's, you know, in, I think it's in chapter 17 when John, um, sees this woman, he's amazed at her. And mm. there's this sense that he doesn't even see the evil or the, like he just goes, wow, like it's yeah. just amazing. This image of wealth and power and mm. influence and beauty and just, oh alluring. And he has to kind of be told, whoa, 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 whoa. Like... You know, be careful here. Easy but tiger. Yeah, but there's something intoxicating and alluring about all that stuff. And we need to, I think, recognize that. Yeah. Which means that the cost for us comes in being really deliberate to figure out where the cost needs to be. Yeah. You know, to actually say, I'm going to make some decisions about not purchasing certain Mm. things or not going on that holiday for as many days Mm. or whatever it might be, because those things are not inherently bad. Buying a new pair of shoes, a nice new shirt, going on a holiday, having dinner with friends. Like none of that's inherently bad. But if, if we never stop to think, okay, what if I went on a 10 day holiday rather than a 14 day holiday? Mm. And you know, the whole family that saves seven or $800. And what if we said that $800 is going to go, to May mission month.
0: Yeah. Um, mm. You know,
2: just to kind of say, we're going to go and support, you know, the, you know, one of the projects we've been supporting with Baptist world aid, the Syrian refugees, they don't, they don't get a holiday. Yeah. So we're going to, and, and, and what if you had that conversation with your family Mm. and said, listen, we have the opportunity here to go away for 10, 12 or 14 days. What do you think if we cut that short and we gave that money away? Mm. So there was a sense that, this, and and the reason why we're doing that is because we're followers of Jesus. And we yeah. want to be thankful for the opportunity to go away. We want to have a break together. We want to celebrate the opportunity that we have. But let's just acknowledge. you know, like So I mm. think, and now is there a right answer to that? Like some people would say, well, you just shouldn't go away at all. Or yeah. you know, why don't you go on a really cheap holiday for six days? And mm. it's like, wow, well, let's just calm down. Yeah. I, I think the, the win in this is when we're thinking it through and we're mm. saying, you know what? We're we're just gonna we're just gonna make some decisions to have a little bit more available for others. Mm. A little bit more available for the kingdom of God. And I think that becomes much harder work. To some degree it's a lot easier when you lose your job because you're Christian. Like, you mm. okay, there we go. Decision made. Yeah. <laughs> we can't afford all these things. Our problem is that we can afford too much.
0: Yeah. I'm like I think that um that imagery like that that correlation with um drunkenness and intoxication. For mm-hmm. me that's kind of opening up this topic a little bit for me because I'm like okay so um when you're intoxicated you tend to want more of the thing that makes you intoxicated and so yeah. if wealth if we can get intoxicated by wealth because it makes you feel good because yeah. it makes you feel good and and again inhibitions are low and mm-hmm. so if if you're being intoxicated by wealth you're going to want more the more mm-hmm. you get. Yeah. Um and so part of the way in kind of um you know to go back to like drunkenness part of the way in which we want to follow Jesus is that you need to, it's, you know, obviously for some people it's eradicating it completely. And, but for some it's about understanding where the boundary is. And Mm -hmm. okay, like I can participate in this. This is not inherently evil um, for me, but I need to be aware of where my limits are and how this impacts me. And, and I guess wealth is something and our finances, our money, our resources is something similar that we need Mm -hmm. to have that kind of conversation with. And I've heard you say a number of times, like if you can't give with a little, then you'll never give with a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's where it's, you start to figure out, okay, like I can spend I can go on that ten-day holiday, yeah. but you know where uh, where's the line that I'm going to draw for myself to keep me accountable to yeah. you know yeah. the God that I'm following,
2: and particularly if you know you always find yourself saying, "Oh, I don't have enough to give. Mm. I can't be generous to that because you know I'm saving for my holiday." Mm. Now, again, fuzzy line there. You yeah, know, um, we work hard. Yeah, part of part of part of our pay is holiday—it's really good to refresh. Mm. You you know, I think you could argue there's a biblical principle in recreation. Yeah, we don't
0: don't want to—we don't want to shame anyone going on a holiday right now. No, no, not at all. (laughs) We love you. But but it is that sense of
2: okay, but if you never have any—if you never have any anything to give because Mm. you're always spending it on yourself, that's probably at least a place to start asking some questions. Mm. And again, I think you know, spending on yourself to cover the basics is very different than yeah. spend yeah, it. Th- and I think, I think that's, that's clear. But it's, it's one of those really, I think it's a really tricky space. And mm. I think it's why it's so critical for us to talk about money. Yeah. As uncomfortable as it can be, we need to have somebody that we can talk with and say, hey, do you think I'm excessive? Because mm. we tend to hang out with people who are at similar socioeconomic levels. And so our spending doesn't seem particularly radical mm. or outrageous mm. at all. Because we hang out with people who have the same kind of money, same kind of house, same kind of education as we do. Yeah. I remember you know, years and years ago, um, we we had some friends who – they were struggling artists is what they were. And so they were talking about how they bought, I don't know, some secondhand piece of furniture, and they were really excited about it. And, and Nicole and I were both a little bit like, hmm, it's a little bit awkward because we're like – you're so poor, <laughs> you know, and just kind of thinking to ourselves, what is it for us then that yeah. we're, like where, where we just sort of, it wasn't so much that, you know, their situation, but that we felt that there'd be stuff in our lives and our home that would have felt excessive to them. Mm. Just as we looked at people who were wealthier than we were and just kind of going, it's so excessive and over yep. the top, like what's wrong with them? Mm. And just kind of going, what's the economy of scale in that yeah. space?" you know, and having somebody, even at your own level to kind of go you know, like your own kind of, Economic sphere to kind of mm. go okay. Let's think this through together, because mm. it's no sense talking with people who are a lot wealthier about how I should be. Like it's just different, different circumstances yeah. in lots of ways. Um, but like, yeah, we're probably off topic. But anyway,
0: no, I think it. Like, I think it's an important. It's an important conversation that is starting here. That mm. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's, I mean, what do they say? the taboo topics are. Oh, it's sex, religion, and politics. But mm-hmm. I think you could throw money in that as mm-hmm. well because we don't talk about it because it makes us feel like Personal finances.
2: Yeah, We're happy to talk about money or yeah, people yeah. who are like filthy, stinky, and rich according to us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and how greedy they are or whatever the case mm. might be. But yeah, it's very different to talk about personal finances. Yeah, so Matt, yeah. tell me, how, how much have you spent on yourself this past week? You know, like, <laughs> whoa, okay. Let's <That's laughs> just, let's talk politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, absolutely. So.
0: But it's I think it's an important conversation for us to have because- Scripture has lots to say about it. Yep. Um, so we should be saying more about Although, it. Although, uh,
2: you know, uh, you remember the show Mythbusters? Yes. I've often thought that we should have like some sort of Christian Mythbusters because I actually reckon, I've heard, I've heard a number of people say this in presentations that Jesus has more to say about money than any other topic. Have you ever heard anyone say that? Yes. Oh, Apart yeah. from the kingdom of God. Yeah. I was yeah, just yeah. about to say, I'm yeah. pretty sure he talks about the kingdom way no. more. Well, <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've actually, the last time I heard someone say it, I actually asked them, the last two times. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone up to them and said, Doug, do you have a, do you have a reference. quote? Like, do you have a, like a reference to yeah. that? Like, who is it that did the research to figure that one out? Cause I'm pretty sure he talks about heaps of stuff more mm. than money. And, yeah, and no one's, and there kind of gone, Oh no, no, I haven't. <laughs> And I'm like, I reckon it's a myth, but I haven't actually taken the time to figure out oh, really? how you
1: Challenge would. Challenge for the nerds. Let's go Bible nerds. Because <laughs> I think the
2: question is how do you code what Jesus has to say, yeah. right? So, you know, like the, the um, parable of the prodigal son is sort of about money because mm. the son takes the money and blows it all, but it's not actually about money. No. Like it's not about money at all. Just as the woman who loses a coin, is that a parable about money? Mm. No, not at all. But there's quite a bit of money in the parable. The widows yeah. might
1: is about the widow's money. Might, you know, <laughs> That's definitely about money. <laughs> yeah,
2: but you know, how many more of those places are there? Like mm. there's the rich fool, mm. but the point is not about this. So yeah. I I wonder if there's if someone hasn't just kind of gone through and searched money, you know, and gone, yeah. Oh, look, fifteen <laughs> references. But I, I have I've been too lazy to do it. So there's the challenge for our yeah. listeners. If you want to do some sort of if you're into like social coding of like um,
1: if you want to do a spreadsheet yeah, spreadsheet, spreadsheet people is this okay. um,
0: i'm trying to i'm trying to um apply what i've learned in life groups how to apply the bible is this <laughs> a descriptive is it as exemplary? descriptive
2: uh, an exemplary action sometimes yeah' then go. that's the question and is what?
0: that where it gets lost Because it's not always mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think it's it's primarily, and then we should probably get on to the second yeah, show.
1: We have
0: gone in a like, completely different. I, I do tangent. think
2: that there's a lot of places where Jesus talks about money where the point is actually not about money. Yeah. You know, so like the widows might, the rich young ruler, those would be two places where you go, Yep, money's at the very heart of that. Yeah. But then there's stories that Jesus tells where money is simply an actor in it, Mm. right? Like the widow. So the, the woman who loses the coin and sweeps it up. The point is not that she had 10 coins and lost one. The point is that she swept and looked and looked and looked and looked. And when she found it, she celebrated. Mm. So it could have been about sheep. It could have been about sons. So the money there, okay. Jesus talks about money, but he's not talking about money. Mm. So I, I don't know. I just, I reckon it's a myth I don't think that Jesus actually talked about money more than anything <laughs> else so. but again I just haven't taken the time to figure it out so I might be wrong but if you've got a quotation let me know it's as well It's a new show My greatest
1: Bible busters
2: Bible busters <laughs> oh, God. The problem is I've only got one episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's better than Bible bashing there, so. yeah, That's right that's right, that's right. Um, right on Let's move on to question two before we get sidetracked once again Um, so, Rita, a, a big part of, I guess, the discipleship lesson was around this sense of loyalty with Jesus, and you know, we talked about the three-legged race. Spoke my love language. Thank you for that. That was that was for me. You also talk about um, the passage in Matthew and, and this imagery of the yoke, um, and this really ties into our second question: What does it look like to genuinely? share the yoke of Jesus, not simply in word, but more importantly indeed. I guess the heart of this question is we say it as sentiment. How do we actually experience it? What does that what does that look like? Mm. What can we expect? Yep. Yeah.
2: I mean I I I I mean I I quite like the three legged race imagery as well. Um in part because it's a little bit more fun. <laughs> Than the yoke, like cows, never look like they're having fun. I mean, especially when they're yoked to something. But I, that I actually, a
0: three-legged race, there's a winner. And there's, there's a winner. <laughs> that's
2: Just that's it out there, But I actually think that if there's one thing that's lost in the in the three-legged race, it's actually that there is work to be done. Mm. And I think that the value add in the, the yoke imagery is not just that there's a partnership between Jesus and us sharing the yoke together, but that there's work to be done. Mm. And I actually think that that perhaps unlocks for us then kind of part of what that question is getting at, which is, so, okay, how do we share the work of Jesus, Mm. right? You know, the thing that we, the verse that we have over our door, as you leave, right? As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Right jesus 's words to his disciples and then to us, and so there's a sense that what Jesus was sent to do we are also sent to do, and yet now we are doing that with him mm. and so I reckon one of the questions or one of the answers that are one of the places to start is to be asking ourselves, so how are we engaged in the work of Jesus with jesus mm. right so and that would influence you know the way we pray, um, the way we approach certain um aspects or certain issues or certain um, activities in our day. Uh, and I think it, it helps unlock some of that a little bit to make it a little bit less, you know, because you know, like discipleship can kind of mean
0: so many things, anything, yeah.
2: you know, and so we kind of go oh, like, what are you on about? Uh, but I think kind of going, okay, we are sharing the work of Jesus, right? He's, he, he's got work to do, mm. right? And he's invited us to join him. So how do we, walk with him in his work and i think that's where we want to start thinking that stuff through a little bit more Mm. so um you know asking ourselves questions about how how do i serve the purposes of the kingdom Mm. in my work or my union or my neighborhood um how do i serve the purposes of the kingdom in this conversation yeah um those sorts of things i think can be really helpful places Mm. to start Mm. um like, like what do you what aspects of the image of the of the yoke, for instance, were the? were kind of, you kind of speak into that. Like, you yeah. <laughs> don't know what your question uh, is. All right. we, we ask the questions, questions <laughs> here. <right laughs> Gosh, Gotcha, yeah, Sorry, I know my place. Stay in your lane. <laughs> I think well, it's it's that whole Replayed. idea about you know like. I think that the power of those images is that they invite us to be imaginative, right? Yeah. Which is why I, again, I quite, I quite like the three-legged race because it just opened up for me a very different image mm. and set of images, you know, I I think the two parts, you know, the laughter was one and the arms around each other to kind of support each other. Mm. Like I just kind of liked that idea. Mm. Um, of learning to walk with somebody else mm. in that space, so I think there's value in, in that. But, but you know, the image Jesus uses is that of the yoke. Yeah. It's a bit foreign for us, obviously. I think mm. we we can picture one, but I have no idea really how they work. Um, I have no idea what happens if one cow starts to get ahead of the other cow. I have no idea mayhem. What, yeah, I'm sure pure mayhem. mayhem. I don't know what it means. Like you know, crooked. It feels. doesn't crooked sound. Feels. Crooked it feels. doesn't That's seem really complicated. On. To to be yoked together and just kind of pull something. Uh, like, so, um, so it's a guy
0: who's never farmed in his life.
2: So I'm probably missing a whole bunch of the metaphor, you know. It's kind of like one of those as I'm sure it's a great metaphor, I don't mm, get it. Yeah. Um so you know, it's like when I use hockey metaphors, nobody understands <laughs> No one understands no one it. it. But they're really yeah. good. They're really so clever. The, shook, didn't the Jews also
1: talk about um the yoke of Moses? So like back in, in the in those times, you know, when you followed the law, you mm. took on the, the yoke of Moses. Yeah. So you yeah. Uh, we yoked to Moses, yoked to the law, and that was the path you walked in, right? Mm. So you had a heavy burden, which was the law, mm-hmm. and um, and we know that no one could fulfill the law. The only person to fulfill the law was Christ. And yeah, but so, I think if yeah. I can,
2: if I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky, yeah, I think that the the law as a burden is a very Christian way to think it about is the law. Very Christian. Mm. Like yeah. the Pharisees mm. didn't sit there and say, "Man, we're under such a burden." No. Jesus said, mm. "You've made this a burden." Yeah. Mm. Uh, which is so, I, I think it's important that we recognize that they were to walk in the law, yeah. mm. right? But for them, that was the way of life, mm. right? That was the way to make sure mm. that they were then yeah, doing those the right things, yeah. yeah. Mm. And so, the idea of being yoked to the law was to make sure that we are walking, shall we say, walking alongside
1: mm. the guidance, it, it, like yeah, the, the guidance yeah. of the law, the do way do we do you this? should go. How do we, how do, we well? do it? Well, this you yoke you yourself well. to the, yeah. that, and that's the way yeah. you do it. And Jesus is saying, no, actually, you need to put that down put that aside and take my yoke on and and it's a person not a not a book not a set of rules it's you know you have this relationship so for me I guess I think is um Jesus is asking us to you know do the three-legged race with him take on his yoke but what is it that we have put on upon ourselves that we actually need to set aside um stuff that Jesus has never asked us to carry stuff that he's never asked us to do you know what are we going to what are we going to offload in order for us to have that really, you know, the tight three-legged race so that we mm. can put our arms around him. miss this stuff that I've, you know, burdens that I myself have placed on myself. And Jesus is saying, I didn't ask you to do that. Mm. You need to let that go. Throw that behind you in the field. Let's walk this way.
0: Mm. Are you talking burdens of like – Like burdens of the world
1: that we've placed on ourselves, yeah, expectations that we have on ourselves, um, burdens of the world, ways we think we should behave, Mm. ways we should act. um, Well,
2: I mean, to pick up what what Jesus says about the Pharisees, that they've made the law burden, Mm. Mm. right, with their human rules and regulations. Mm. Now, that wasn't their desire, that wasn't Mm. their design, but I think that there's, yeah, there Mm. there is certainly an element Mm. of that. Yeah,
0: because it sounds like there, there's this imagery has multiple applications. Because there was also the sense of when you were yoked, like. Um, with in, you know, the, the in, in all oxen, my in all my yeah. farming um, experience, <laughs> the guys, mature oxen um, yeah. living out in Barton Ridge, oh, which is okay. like the <laughs> farmland of the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, now who's speaking out of their ignorance? <laughs> um, you know, it was the idea that an old ox yeah. got like yeah. was with the young, with a young okay. and so there was yeah. there was a learning. There was a, mm. it was a teachable thing. It was about sharing, mm-hmm. burden, and, and participating mm. in the work. Um, and and yeah, you wouldn't want to put on more than. Than was yeah, necessary. Yeah. So, I guess this idea of of actually living out the imagery of, um, you know, being yoked to Jesus mm. is to to live that out in in the day to day. Is to be learning from him, participating in his work, mm. and like you said, rocks, yeah. letting go of the things that don't actually add value to our ongoing mm. walk with mm. Jesus.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I think one of the other pieces in it is that, you know, like it was an image of apprenticeship disciple. Mm. And so there's an element of, of kind of asking ourselves, okay, so if I'm Jesus' apprentice and the idea is that I'm going to take on his, you know, like if you think about an apprentice. His trade. Yeah. Mm. So at the end of this, uh, Jesus says, okay, you're, you're fully qualified to do my work mm. on your own without supervision. And you can go train others. <laughs> you know, like if you start asking yourself, okay, so what do, what do I need to learn? Mm. What do I need to learn? Where do I need to grow? And I think that some of that stuff might be another place to start mm. in that sense of being yoked together. Like, you know, I think you know the, the longer I'm in ministry and whatnot, there's. The, the mentoring relationships, for instance, that I've found most helpful are the ones where I've identified an area where I need to grow. Mm. I'm kind of past the whole generalist stuff. There's specific areas. I need to know about this now. Yeah, I kind of, I've got the general. Mm. What are the specifics? And I think we can sometimes assume that we kind of get a handle on the general gist of what it means to follow Jesus and we're good. But you know, there's always skills. You can always kind of upskill Yeah. You know, probably up character or something, you know, like just (laughs) in terms of the things that we're growing in and Mm. kind of going, okay, Lord, would you teach me to walk in the ways of patience or Mm. of kindness or of mercy or of self-control or Mm. whatever it might be so that we're always kind of working out how can we be more prepared for what Jesus invites us into. Mm. So I I think those are places to start. I'm not sure how whether that's concrete enough, but apart from actually saying, read this book in this way and do these five things, and I'm not sure that there's a...
0: That'd be nice. It would be nice. We do keep talking about like, just give us the formula. I know. And you're yet to, yet to deliver on that one, (laughs) but that's fine. We'll keep having (laughs) you back. That's (laughs) still,
2: I'm still an apprentice. I don't know the formula,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but I guess that like, and and we talk about this a lot. It's one of our values. Like it's that on purpose audit of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not something that you just do when you give your life to Jesus. It's something that you choose to do every day. Um, you know where do I need to grow? You know where do I need to hold on to Jesus? Um, where am I being invited to participate? Yeah. Yeah. And and not just identifying it, but then yeah. stepping out in that. Mm. Um, I think we kind of expect it to fall in our laps too often, and it's like actually no. Like if yeah. I've if I've if I've yoked myself to Jesus, then mm-hmm. I like like I need to be moving forward myself. Mm. Otherwise, yeah. Um, yeah, that's gonna hurt. That's right. And you're going to get crooked crops. Um, (laughs) Which is a different metaphor. (laughs) All right, that's enough with the farm analogies. Let's move on to question three.
1: So, question three is what is Jesus actually promising to those who are victorious at the end of the letter?
2: Yeah, uh, so I've just pulled it up. Um, so the promise, the last few verses, it's to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end. And I think this is the the con- not the confusing part, but I suspect this is where the question comes from. I will give authority over the nations. That one, the person to whom I will give authority, and then there's a quote from Psalm two: "Will rule over them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery." End quote. Just as I, Jesus, have received authority from my Father. And then there's a reference to the Morning Star. The Morning Star. I remember um, John Wycliffe, who was an English
1: Bible um, translating John Wycliffe. Uh, that yeah, guy? a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at any rate, he he was called the Morning Star of the of the Reformation um, because what a title! Yeah, because he was one of the precursors to the Reformation that happened in the 16th century. He was earlier than that. And uh, there was a there was a church history exam, and I think the question was, you know, discuss. John Wycliffe is the morning star and whoever it was, was really into like weaponry. Cause he thought of the morning star as one of those, like, um, uh, you know, weapons has got a stick and then a chain and a ball with Ooh.
0: spikes. Oh on yeah. Wow. So
2: he talked about how John Wycliffe was God's morning star. Oh, that that like, wow. and I, was, I was like, okay, like broadly speaking, you're correct, but I don't think that's the most- Star. You know, I think it's the first star in the morning, star, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, again, I suspect that it just well, made me think of it. Did you give again. the essay? Yeah. I can't remember. I think He's he passed mostly because I was afraid he'd come after me with the morning star.
1: <laughs> so you are teaching church history. Maybe you'll see what well, weaponry see, yeah. comes up this semester. Yeah. Well, it star. was
2: it was that idea of you know he just ta- anyway. he, he answered the question, but just not in the way I anticipated and i i'm and I'll admit that when I read when I was reading through this uh this letter again, the question of what was the link between this and Psalm two was kind of like, oh man, that's an interesting combination because Jesus hasn't been talking about authority prior to this like mm. some of the the promises are kind of linked with the the letters in particularly clear ways for us but I think in in this in this context, I mean Jesus is asking them to be. Um, more loyal to him, right, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, come to him, hold on to what they have in him in particular. And I think there's an element in this promise of basically saying, you know, if you share in me, I will share in you. It's that Mm -hmm. whole kind of language of you know the one who acknowledges me before others. I will acknowledge before my father. Mm. So there's a sense that they won't just share in his sufferings. They won't just share in the opposition. uh, They they will share ultimately in the in the fullness of the authority that God gives to Jesus. And so this Psalm two um, is one of what it's what they it's it's a messianic Psalm of sorts because it speaks about the King. Um, some scholars think in an old Testament context, believe that's a bit of a coronation psalm, mm. or may have been used the coronation of the King because it doesn't speak about David. It speaks yeah. about the King and how God has installed his King on Zion, mm. uh, the um, um, another name for Jerusalem. And that essentially because God has installed his King in Jerusalem, that's a sign to the nations not to mess with that King because it's actually the Lord that they're messing with. Yeah, that, that's the piece, and so the king becomes a symbol of God's rule on earth, mm. and so Jesus quoting this is basically saying, "As all authority has been given to me, I'm giving you will share in that same authority," uh, and they become then a symbol of the rule of God and the reign of Jesus on the earth in their in their behavior, if that Mm. makes sense. So I think he's calling them to kind of live into that space, like fully associate with me, be fully loyal to me. uh, And, and, and you will share in all that I have been given. Mm. Uh, There's nothing that you won't share in. There's this partnership language, um, you know, when we win the three-legged race, mm-hmm. because we're with Jesus, so chances are we will, unless he does that whole last will be first thing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, heavy. <Yeah. laughs> so we'll either come first or last, but yeah. either way, I think we're winners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get the trophy. Like. <laughs> well, we'll get a morning star yeah, so we yeah, can yeah. You know, take out our enemies. Um, but um, uh, <laughs> uh, so I think, I, I think that that's the, the, what Jesus is promising in mm. this context, right? That whole, You will share in everything that I have been given. Mm. So loyalty comes with its benefits, right? Yeah. And it's not, you know, for every 10 imprisonments, you get one for free. Like it's, Mm. you know, like genuine authority. I think it's interesting that he does pick up the imagery of the, you know, the iron scepter and dashing them to pieces like pottery. Like it's the imagery of judgment. Yeah. Uh, It's the imagery of those who do not. Um, recognize the authority of the Son, right? That's the whole piece in Psalm 2. If you don't recognize the authority, like you're in all sorts of strife Mm. is essentially the message of the Psalm. Like you're going to stand up against the Lord and Mm. his anointed? Yeah, all the best with that. Mm. Um, And so there's this imagery I think that Jesus is picking up, again, which I think fits with the letter, where Mm. he's basically called him to say you've tolerated this teaching that's Mm. ultimately calling you to compromise, don't align yep. yourself with me, be loyal to me. I'll impose no other burden. And on top of that, then there's the authority. Mm. So I, I think that that's the piece. Now, yeah. if whoever asked the question actually wanted to know about the morning
1: star, I'm, i
0: <laughs> I was, just about, about, yeah. I was just about to say, so <laughs> like, w- w- what is the morning star? <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> Not weaponry
1: kind of the off the top ages. Of my head, <laughs> I
2: think that it's again, I think it's also messianic imagery. So I believe um, either in Jacob's prophecy over his sons at the end of Genesis or in one of the Balaam oracles, there's a reference to the morning star. I, I think, uh, if I recall correctly, I may not, um, and that, that's the reference. That and that in both cases, it's referring to a star arising like a a, a sun, a king. So it's still imagery around royal prerogative. Yeah,
0: I, I d- believe. I I feel like I need to let everyone know. Mark does not. Yeah, he does not see these questions before <laughs> yeah. we press record. And so <laughs> I'm you have it. your mouth open, is that yeah. why? Yeah. Well, I'm pretty impressed that yeah, you're able to just good. be like, oh, I think it's from an oracle okay. of Baal. I just like. really, if
1: you could just kind of put in the whole, um, you know, star that led the wise men to, you know, Jerusalem <laughs> <laughs> to see Jesus as a baby in Bethlehem, that'd be great because that like, would just sync up well, all the I stars mean, for me. A, a king is born. Yeah, a so king is born. You know, yeah, yeah. You could just... You know. Throw that in. That, well, That'd be that's great. our contribution. It's yeah. <laughs> We're trying hard. Rita, I'm, just, you know, I'm just
2: looking. I, I can't see it off the top of my head. But, yeah. uh, sorry, in Genesis. Rita so be... can
0: exegete the apocalyptic text, and there we'll just throw in the, the heartwarming <laughs> Christmas story. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was Baby Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. and he was super cute. <laughs>
1: they followed a star. Warm and fuzzy <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you might be closer because I can't find yeah, it. It's so.
0: something for everyone. Something, something. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs>
0: um, well, Raina, thanks so much. Uh, you've given us lots to think about, <laughs> and you know, lots to. <laughs> we've throwing you into the to deep Google yeah, well. Lots to Google as <laughs> well. Was he right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <That's> the <laughs> write it in Google. the comments. <laughs> Do we have comments section? I don't know. We should. get that. We should. We should. That. Yeah. We should. Well, thanks no, so much. It's good. It's good. Well, Rox, Okay, I feel like there were plenty of tangents in that conversation we could have gone in any which way but like now that we've kind of spent some time going a little deeper like what's standing out for you what's oh, your kind of
1: gosh yeah that whole economic implications thing oh, man, that was mine no, I got it first you asked a question uh, yeah that's that's a good challenge you mm. know like do we do I give an like like, yeah, sacrificially, yeah. is there pain there? Mm. You know, like, um, and just a few times in the Old Testament, you know, I mean, people have said, um, you know, um, I won't give an offering unless it costs me something, you know, like, you know, you want to give God your first fruits, you want to Mm. give um, God what is right and proper and due to him. And so I think that's been a challenge for me today Mm. is not only in terms of my finance, but in terms of my time and my attention and and, um, my patience Mm. and um, inviting people into my world. Mm. Um, You know, how can I be more giving? Yeah. Um, Yeah more faithful.
0: Yeah, I think I think the thing for me that kind of stood out in that conversation was this whole idea of like we need to be having this conversation. Mm. Like this is actually a spiritual practice. Like this mm. is where we're called to um to give everything over to Jesus, mm. including, you know, what we've got financially. And I'm just like I, I'm aware that I get awkward about it. Mm. I don't like to talk about it, and but actually it's a really important part of like us doing discipleship together and us, yeah. um, you know, living out the call that Christ has put on our life together. And so, um, yeah, and, and I wonder what else we don't talk about, um, well, yeah. you know, what other um, awkward topics that we're just like oh i'm just gonna trust that you do what you do and i'll do what i'll do and we just won't ever so talk what were the big it? what
1: were the big four that you said uh, was uh, um, sex, sex money and religion, religion and we do we, we got the religion becoming. yeah i politics mean we talk, is, I think we talk about that
0: <laughs> um politics i'm not going to touch that one no. um so you know like but even just like things that impact our our, our journey with yeah. Jesus, um, I, I have no doubt. I've actually had a couple of conversations with um, some of our young adults this week, and we've just been talking about things that actually we'd love to talk about more mm. just to help us kind of grow in our own understanding of how we live out Christ in our world. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that there's a real desire for yeah. that and a real need for it. because Absolutely. we, do, we shouldn't just talk about, you know, Baby safety. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we need star. to talk about that yeah. apocalyptic stuff that yeah. um, gets a little bit it's good. weird. <laughs> it's almost
1: like it'd be great to have someone older that we could walk with, who would show us how to walk yeah. <laughs> with. Yeah. You know, not just being yoked to Jesus, but also to have a mentor. Yeah, yeah. That can you know be in that. Just,
0: yeah. Shoot the breeze. Uh, yeah. It. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: maybe that's the maybe that's mm. the, actually I think that was an illustration of week two. Oh yeah. Who's the person? Yeah. Who's the
1: person? Checking yeah, your blind bl- spots. Checking, Oh, man, hey.
0: it all links oh. together oh, week three week three week two it was sermon. in there it was said it was spoken <laughs> well rox thanks so much for joining us this week loved having you on oh it's always a treat love <laughs> it. it is a treat <laughs> well if you want to be a part of the conversation make sure that you're there for one of our services this sunday either online or on site and that you snap the slido qr code before the sermon to get involved if you If you have enjoyed the Big Three podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Um, Thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.